0: Welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly social manner. Let's see, as a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any grand large statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us, we love seeing you guys live every Thursday night on Facebook and the YouTube land, so hello and good evening. Hop in the chat, send, send a few words, let us know if you agree, disagree, You know, it's good to see you all there. Interact with you live. If not, you guys are also certainly welcome to listen to this later or watch the chat replay. So love you guys. You see, you know, me, my name is John Ruark. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge. Number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia, a little light crew tonight, the least of which being returning from an international affair, Joe Martinez.
1: Hey, Joe. Hello. Hello. hello, interwebs. Yes. Hello, all you cool cats and kittens. Uh, so happy to be back. Uh, I thought my seat would have gotten replaced by now. Um, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you for we, we keeping kept it room. I appreciate it. I was reading the chats uh, for the last couple of weeks. It was like, <laughs> Joe got fired. Joe got fired. I was like, what the hell? Um, I did not get fired. I just went on vacation. So miss y'all. Joe Martinez. Yeah. Uh, member of stuff and things many many things i don't even remember half the things um yeah happy to be back
0: you've used up all your pto for the year though so
1: it's it's done gone you burned, through, gone. It. <laughs> burned through next
0: year too. yes yeah. speaking of burning through pto we've also got a special guest <laughs> from a long time ago in a galaxy far far away that is the one the only tmr emeritus nick johnson has been he has
2: been, you know. I, I just for all the listeners there, I do have my uh, standard past masters has been shirt on, and uh, really glad to be back. And uh, you know, now that you've used all your PTO, you can just tell your kids, "Sorry, Christmas is canceled this year." You know. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but, uh, oh man, but uh, yeah, no, great to be back, you know, and uh, getting to getting to hang out with you fellas and talk about the old uh, uh, busting stones.
0: I know, I know. It's it's super cool. I, uh,
2: I think that's what we're calling it. I'm trying, you know, busting I'm trying stones. to keep this fresh. You know, busting stones, breaking. I don't know. Breaking rocks is probably a different thing. That that means you know you're course, you're somewhere else. You don't want to be same, same working
0: in the quarries. Yeah. Yes, we'll go with that. There we go. Awesome. Hey, um, before we get to tonight's topic, I want to give a special shout out to the patrons who've been supporting the show. You guys are awesome. So if you want to join our little chat, we've actually. Did a little, a little new thing this week had a, an ongoing chat with all the patrons of the show um, chatting about our favorite books that we're reading so if you want to join in on that head over to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable love to see you over there and uh, nerd out for the rest of the week with us so um, here we are still in August still with TMR alumni week and uh, boy upon popular request do we have the one and only Nick Johnson back um, I think you know uh for many years after after your departure was uh there were so many requests to uh, i think i think that your friend Sheeple actually was more requested than <laughs> than yourself um where how's sheeple doing that's the uh, the question everyone wants to know
2: unfortunately he's still in my basement he's still living <laughs> here you know seriously he's unemployed i mean he's looking for opportunities is what he said to <laughs> spread the truth that's that's what he's told me anyway and uh hopefully he'll uh, he said that uh he's finally gotten a call back i'm assuming it's okay. from alex jones but uh, <laughs> you know it's uh we're hoping we're hoping that this this might be the
0: one uh, this might be the one get him out of the house get a real job well, I
2: mean, well you know i mean if, if he would stop eating all of my uh, goldfish you know cuz it's him versus his nephews and I'd be like,
0: Doritos yeah. and Mountain Dew, yeah.
2: You can't get rid of family. I mean family's great. <laughs> it's uh <you> know, <laughs> it keeps us together somehow.
0: Oh, so so what have you been up to? Like what's uh how's the past couple of years been for you?
2: Oh man, well, you know, it's been it's been interesting because uh, you know, as as I'm sure many of you know, a, a certain uh viral thing started floating through uh the world from what I understand. And uh So everything went online and you know being involved in a lot of a lot of the invitational side bodies um the one the one nice thing was we did have a lot of flexibility at that at in those particular bodies uh to be able to go online uh and you know just just develop kind of a cadence on what are we going to do for next year and um you know it's one of those that now that we've come out of for the most part, come out of the pandemic. You know, it's one of those that uh, I'm currently the excellent chief of the Minnesota Council of Night Masons. And with that has come the, you know, the interesting challenge of what do we do with all of these people that we had in waiting to take degrees. And as you can imagine, you know, a body that's invitational, you're you're actively act uh, asking these people to join and because they're actively joining with us um you know we've extended out to them so really the impetus on getting them in is on us in in toto right we have to do this and so mm-hmm. you know it's been kind of a challenge to really work that through understanding you know, that some people, you know, we're, we're still kind of under those, uh, under those rules, but not really, you know, I think a lot of things have softened up and gotten easier. And so right now it's really trying to, you know, look at our numbers, understand how many people, you know, we need to talk to for dues, how many people, and, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the invitational bodies, you're dealing with people that are for the most part active, but, you know, they're not always, um, mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 involved in so many different things and especially, you know, the, mm. the pandemic, the one thing that it, it offered to people was the idea that they could essentially do a reset, right? So a lot of people oh, yeah. discovered that, hey, maybe we don't want to be a part of the York right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially the York right bodies. You know, they they have taken a hit that, that a lot of the other bodies have not just because, you know, I mean it's three deuce checks plus you know, what you know what? What are we doing?
0: Essentially, is, yeah. is what they've dealt with. And so mm.
2: you've got that going on, and it's just been kind of interesting. I haven't joined anything.
0: Um, well, I was going to ask, like, what's the net sword count? Is it net positive, <laughs> net negative, <laughs> You
2: neutral? know, now we'll that you mentioned be
0: net
1: positive,
2: yeah, hold on, now <laughs> I've got to think.
1: That, net you see,
2: now I got now I got to think because did I join something while I was? No, I didn't. I was not allowed to, but oh, <laughs> I could have. I could have joined something, um, and actually, you know, for, for everybody who's listening, you know, it looks like this year is going to be the final, finally the year after many years of doing this masonry th- uh, thing, since I've been doing it since 2006, uh, I'll be joining the Scottish ride.
0: Oh, wow. Mm, I thought no. you were like, work or die, baby. Oh,
1: man. Northern <laughs> or Southern?
2: Uh, southern, yeah. So luckily, no. you know, it. it welcome to the, the the oddity that is Minnesota. Boy, this um,
1: is, yeah, you
2: know, the, the river. The river literally runs through it. Like, you know, the river is what decides <laughs> if you're north or south. Even though we're east and west, but, um, and you know, the the most fascinating thing, especially in Minnesota, because like Scottish right. I think it's all the way back to like when it started. We had A.T.C. Pearson is the father of Minnesota Freemasonry, guided everything. And he actually was the one who spoke with, we were going to be northern Masonic jurisdiction. And then Pike grabbed him in Chicago and said, hey, 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 just, just a thought, right? And so literally, you know, it was one of those types of meetings that decided kind of where the bo- the boundary of this whole thing would be. So that's interesting. you know it's it's yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing mm. and, and especially in Minnesota, you know, I think also because of the theater culture here, you know, Minneapolis Scottish Rite is doing all 29 degrees. <clears throat> I never
0: forgot that. I'm super yeah. jealous.
2: Yeah, and they do it twice a year. So it's two degrees every week, so it's right night Ooh. and then St. Paul, which is literally 8 miles from that one is Doing like twenty-two of the degrees, wow! And yeah. Duluth is doing like nineteen. Road Rochester trip. does like eighteen. Joe, if you want to road yeah. trip?
0: Let's do it. I mean, you'll have to closer, share a room with Sheeple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. yeah that's true pass. for the East Coast. Hard pass.
1: Mm-hmm. Hard pass. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I mean, you know, Sheeple. He he he'll share room. I don't know. He might. <laughs> He might block your ear off constantly. I can about. listen.
1: I can tell you from having people in my house that gorge on goldfish, uh, especially when they come home from school. They're not good bathers. They don't bathe. You know, you got that goldfish no. crust all up in the fingernails and stuff. Oh, nice. No yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Finger looking good. See,
2: that's why you got to go with the multicolor ones because then you know at least they've got like the orange and the green and the yellow all together, It just kind of makes it makes it a little bit easier to recognize.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this wasn't a family-friendly show yeah and and by the way before
0: we we get into the topic too um there's been a request on the facebook stream um to see if there's a masonic monday question on thursday Ooh. Ooh. That, you, that you could uh, you could regurgitate so think of a good one while we while we talk while we vamp 100 percent. and that way you know, the answer you have to blow it up because this is the the benefit of watching live you get to answer it in either the YouTube or the Facebook chats. We got them off to the side here. So, um, That's first true. one to get it right wins, uh, one of Nick's swords.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the bet one. <laughs>
0: the- <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere. So let's go right over to the topic that you wanted to talk about tonight. Uh, this was yeah. the topic was chosen by Nick, uh, about a recent book that he's read called the intelligence trap why smart people make dumb mistakes. So obviously, it doesn't apply to Freemasonry at all whatsoever. But imagine if it did. What was that? What would that look like? Why do smart people smart men in the fraternity make uh, dumb mistakes occasionally? And so we'll cover a little bit about that. So um, what led you to want to talk about this book, Nick,
2: you know, yeah, so you know, it's been interesting, you know, especially during all of this, this very huge change and kind of dealing with everything. And, you know, because of the situation that we've been through for the last three years, you know, it's been interesting to see where grand lodges, grand bodies, and, you know, I I would say grand bodies in general, national bodies have, have struggled mightily. And I think it's because a lot of them, you know, a lot of the folks that get up to those levels are very smart i mean they they've gotten there through the hard work but also you know understanding a lot of what we're doing but i think (laughs) there's there's that that potential that possibility with which you know you lose you lose the ground by not understanding and assuming that you know more right and i and i've noticed that especially now you know i mean it's it's been it's been a struggle watching you know watching kind of the interaction between lodges and um grand lodges and grand bodies and their subordinate bodies and you know i i was reading this book and you know just to kind of give you give the the listeners the you know the the book title um is let me grab that for you i have my bookmarks in here so that's that, of course, that's how, you know... I'm, I'm trying to screw up all of the audio for this just, just so that John has to do a lot of editing later on. We'll fix
1: it uh, first. We appreciate you.
2: Yeah. We, we love everything you do. And uh, so it's by David Robson. Um, it's called The Intelligence Trap, Why Smart People Make Stupid Mistakes. That's what John just said. But, you know, it's one of those that... I, I was reading through this book... Just because on a whim I'd listened to uh, Robson on a couple of different podcasts, because you know, as an avid podcast listener, um, especially to this show, uh, you know, you I was listening to the way in which he was describing these different examples, and we can go through just a couple of them because um, I think they really do um, highlight just how confusing intelligence can be right you know iq oh, yeah. has been an under you know we, we've spoken about iq for you know i don't know what is it a, a at least a century and a half right iq has been mm-hmm. the focus right and the thing is is iq is only only useful if it's used properly and oftentimes those who have a, a high level of iq are usually ones that also have huge blind spots especially, right. especially on under understanding you know and i think that happens a lot in our own masonic bodies even at the local level right and you know he says in his book you know and i'll just quote from it uh intelligent and educated people are less likely to learn from their mistakes for instance or take advice from others um and when they do err, they are better able to build elaborate arguments to justify their reasoning, meaning they become more and more dogmatic in their views. Worse still, they appear to have a bigger bias blind spot, meaning they are less able to recognize the holes in their logic. And, you know, I, I think all of us have seen this in our own.
0: Yeah, work well,
1: in the that's what yeah, that's what he uh, what I got from that. What you said, Nick, was. That's when he was Robson was talking a lot about motivated reasoning, where, you know, basically these really and the examples he gives are, are awesome and I know you're gonna touch on them, but where you apply this awesome amount of intelligence or brain power to support an argument, whether it's it's good or if it's crap. It's just you know, it goes to that bias that you talk about. Um and again, it's it's really highlighted by some super interesting examples of people you would not think would fall into that. So I I just found that super interesting uh, in what I saw. Yeah, I was going to
0: add to that and say that um, some of this also goes back to some of our, uh, our cognitive biases or logical fallacies, uh, episodes we've done, where they they emphasize this quite a bit. It's a relatively new book. So it builds on a lot of some of the uh, other books on psychology and, and, and biases where you have things like confirmation bias, where you're only going to find things that support your your uh, presuppositions, right? Or um, you have the Dunning-Kruger effect, uh, which is a documented um, behavior where people tend to overestimate their abilities, right? The the higher up in an organization, the manager is probably the less competent they really are, but they think they're really competent, right? Yeah, and
2: yep. <clears throat> I think how that applies. Exactly. If you think you're competent, then you are suffering from the Dunning-Kruger effect. And if you think you are not competent, you are also suffering from the Dunning-Kruger exactly. effect. Exactly. You know? Yeah.
0: And, yeah. And, and so there was a line in the book just to get right to it that that really kind of, I had to repeat it a couple times because it was really fascinating, where he says something along the lines of that um, oh crap, I lost, I lost my point because it was really good. I know I'll get to it. So Let's talk about uh, the Dunning Kruger effect in in how it applies to, say, the Grand Lodge or the or the you know these, district education officers, for example. That's where my mind went. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think you know it's it's interesting that, you know, a lot of like you know, and I'll use an example, uh, just a Masonic example, um, which is you know in a lot of Grand Lodge Grand actually Grand Bodies in general, um, the grands are very hesitant to create new Masonic bodies they are they will literally fall within the sunk cost fallacy right of just trying to save bodies in different places or move yes you know and and, and, and some, in some in you know and and kind of the the colloquial term for it is capture the flag where they'll literally move a body from one place to another instead of saying and instead perhaps maybe we should just start something
0: new here yeah the sunk cost fallacy being where you know you're so invested in literally in the past that the best decision maybe be to stop it, but you want to keep going just because I've already gone gone this far and spent this much time and effort
1: well to to that point and and just to just to throw this at Nick um because i've I've seen this at, at a local level um to the point where people either think you're not a team player or you're not helpful because you don't subscribe to that sort of mentality. And I'll give you a perfect example. Interesting. Um, And I I know there's people listening that, that subscribe to this. Um, We uh, went to, Oh, it was a commandery meeting. And in that commandery meeting, we had the conversation of, Hey, this commandery down the road is really struggling. They haven't been able to open in months. Uh, They have a hard time getting guys out. So we're going to go next Tuesday or whatever, and we're going to go help them open and help them build themselves back up and this, that, and the other thing. And you know, people are raising their hands. Yeah, I'll totally go. I'll totally help and this, that, and the other thing. And the first thing I said was, I'm like, why? Like if they haven't been <laughs> right. able to open in X number of months or X number of years and they can't get their own stuff together why do we feel the need to be that life support just let them die like why is that a bad thing you know and apparently it is because you know you get the the shocked eyebrows and the uh offensive comments in the in the coffee room after so
2: absolutely i mean yeah i mean it's almost as if you're talking about how you know we need to How how could you possibly want grandpa to die, right? I mean that's that's how it it almost seems and it's like it's it's really not that, right? But they they believe it so much because, you know, a lot of Mm -hmm. these guys have sunk years into it, right? And or or there's a perception even. It's not even that it's actually true because, you know, a body that barely gets seven in, right? I mean, that means that there's only really seven people offering any effort to it but especially those that are at a district level perhaps or uh higher than that are are thinking to themselves well if we close this then something is going to happen right like as in nothing will happen and it will die and you know that's that's kind of the issue especially you know in a lot of states including mine um you know we have a lot of especially within the code itself we have a lot of protectionist language for lodges whereby a lodge will uh, to to make a lodge disappear is actually far easier than to give birth to a new lodge which you know i mean that's kind of confusingly odd right because you would think if you're trying to create something new right you would expect the rules for birth and death to be equal right and they aren't and you know that's yeah and that's just one of many you know and it's because there's a protectionist like we we must ensure that this is here and you know as as it gets further and further that bias gets stronger and stronger until it becomes almost in and of itself a custom or a law
1: and well to that point and and this is a question for you nick is it is it a society thing or is it a geographic thing? And the reason why I asked you brought up something and and here at least uh, in, in the jurisdictions I'm a member of, you're right, it's an absolute nightmare to try and create something new, whether it's a lodge or what have you, um, while it's very easy to to turn in a charter and and close one out. Whereas if you go overseas, you go to Europe, um, they're starting new lodges every week, right? They have you know, 20 to 25 guys, if it gets bigger than that, let's, let's look at the UK, for example, if you have lodges of more than 35, 40 people, they can, they think they have too many people in the lodge and they need to break off and start something new. Right. Whereas, you know, if you don't have 200 dues paying members on your roster, something's wrong with you. Um, so I, again, I think there's a bit of how people grew up and how people were raised in the sociological aspects of it. And I think we're as Americans, um, we're kind of, we kind of follow that mindset that you're talking about, where you can't let grandpa die, as you said. Um, Exactly. And and you're absolutely,
2: you're absolutely, yeah. And you're absolutely correct on that. And actually there are grand lodges that are starting to figure that out. I think in some respects, you know, a lot of, a lot of this is emotional, right? And actually he mentions that as well, right? Um, In the book and I'll pull that up, but you know, a lot of these things are emotional so there are actually people or or i mean jurisdictions that are changing that mindset right where they are actually um actively changing those rules california i believe is one um hawaii is another you know they're making it far easier to start new things or to encourage more activity in that kind of respect and you know i think that's that's something that we you know really need to push forward with uh because you know i it is it's you know we we need to get away from our our former prejudices of you know just and it's not just that we've always done it this way it's actually i think even worse than that it's like we've fallen into a trap right essentially you know of how do we get ourselves out of here? And I, and you know, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, I'm selling this guy's book like hard. I hope I get well, some. Well, okay. So I, I, do remember, I, remember,
0: I do remember the <laughs> second point I was, I was trying to make earlier. Finally, finally, finally which was uh, the, the, the quote that he said was basically along the lines of wait for it, Joe. It's good. It's worth it. Uh, basically how we overestimate the knowledge that we used to have, not the knowledge we have today. And oh, that, that yeah. took me for a pause because I was like, okay, wait a minute. Like, I know I'm guilty of that, but then when I try to apply that to masonry, that really blew my mind because think about all these past masters, right? That it had, had, that had worked really hard for their year or had even gone on and done things like been on you know, Grand Lodge committees, or have been uh, especially for ritual, right? They used to be great at ritual. And so we hold them and they hold themselves at this really super high standard, even if it's not really true today. And um, their, you know, their abilities or capabilities might be less today than they were, you know, back in the 80s when they were in their their prime. And yet we still hold them psychologically at this higher pedestal, which can actually have a negative impact for the craft. Exactly. Mm. Exactly.
2: And, you know, yeah, and the the quote that he has, you know, and I think this is probably one of the ones is all of this would seem to chime with research showing that beliefs may first arise from emotional needs, and it is only afterward that the intellect kicks in to rationalize the feelings, however bizarre they may be. And, you know, during – In the book, he's actually talking about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who literally developed, you know, the man of intellect, right, of just blind intellect deduction Sherlock Holmes. deduction you know and you know it's like we're going to you know do everything scientifically there is not going to be one th- you know thought outside of what is rational and he was also a huge proponent of seances you know and he was tricked by two young ladies who had said that sh- they had taken pictures of fairies Yeah, photoshop and fairies yeah, yeah. Like old uh, Victorian era Photoshop. And he fell down the trap. And, you know, I mean, you know, they point to the very famous example. I mean, I think a Drunk History episode was about this, where, you know, you had Houdini who absolutely enjoyed, you know, destroying, you know, the seance movement. He hated right. spiritualism more than anything on the planet. And, you know, mm-hmm. but he was also friends with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And, and he. You know, had uh, Conan Doyle, uh, Conan Doyle's wife said that she spoke to spirits and all this other stuff, and he said, "All right, all right, I'll listen." And she's all of a sudden gets magical messages that his mother is that Houdini's mother is talking back from the grave, and you know, on the piece of paper, you know, they're writing down all these things, and it's all twenty pages of notes, just thick notes of all the things I love you, sweetheart, blah blah blah. And the funny part was, is Houdini's mother did not speak English.
0: Not a word.
2: <laughs> not one word. And, she, and, and in all of these notes, it was, I've, I've met the heavenly Lord with Jesus Christ and all this stuff. Houdini is Jewish. Right. <laughs> and it was quite confusing to Houdini that his Jewish mother, who spoke not one word of English, would spend 20 pages talking about Christian belief in English. Conan Doyle, even after Houdini explained that to him, had a giant bias in his mind saying, I know what you're saying, but I'm not going to listen because I don't think you're right.
0: Yeah, so that leads to yeah a lot of the premise of the book leading to this intelligence trap, which is the fact that even if you are fairly intelligent, you have a high IQ, you've done a lot of hard work for, for Freemasonry, um, when you are confronted with something that challenges those beliefs, whether it be your tradition's not working, right? We need to try something different because it's not working. What do we do? We apply the backfire effect. And we double down. We say, well, no, I can't be wrong. It must be you that's wrong. And you're ugly too, right? Like you actually double down on your, you're trying to to find a rational uh, explanation, just like, uh, you know, brother. Sir Arthur and Doyle did, right, trying to find a, a some sort of scientific or logical reason for fairies and for, you know, the the explanation of these seances. And so when, when confronted with counterfactual arguments, like, what we find is that people generally tend to really, well, I'm smart, why, why are you challenging me? I, obviously, there's got to be some explanation that confirms my priors, Joe?
1: No, I, I think you're spot on. And, and all I kept thinking about was, uh, as you were saying, that was how often do we see that? And, you know, how much is it really everybody at every level of masonry is a wonderful, beautiful individual. And I love them from the bottom of my heart. But, but there's a but, um, how much of it is really that what what Nick was talking about and what we're talking about in this book versus just. I'm scared to death of change and I won't want to change. It has nothing to do with my intelligence. It has to do with the fact that I don't want to change because there is no change that needs to happen. Right. So, and they're not applying that the, the intelligent part of their faculties. They're just, it's just pure emotion and stubbornness and, you know, an inability to, to want to change. So I'm, I'm going through my mental Rolodex of people. I'm like, how much of them follow that, you know, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle mentality, um, which is really highlighted well in this book. Um, we better get royalties for this, Nick. This is ridiculous. I mean, how many times we're, were saying the word book? I mean, seriously,
2: um, he, Rob's
1: like and some his. audible credits or something, something, you know. But um, you know, and how much of it is just that 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 vapid surface level? I'm not going to do anything because I don't want to do anything, and I'm not going to rock the boat.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, the thing is, uh, even within our fraternity, we we focus on the mentorship. Idea, right? I mean, we use it constantly, right? I mean, we love the word mentorship, right? I mean, it's it's something that I'm I'm surprised that it's not another degree. I mean, I'm surprised it's not something that we have to take Shh, at a grand The, N- the NMJ
0: is listening. Um, oh, strike I mean, that from you know, the transcript the, now.
2: All right. Um, yeah, we'll so, fix it in uh, post. But- <laughs> well, and the thing is, what's so interesting, too, though, is like the idea of a Mentor, right, who was the the uh, man that Odysseus chose, right, to watch his son Telemachus while he was in, you know, while he was off fighting, you know, the Trojan War, you know, Mentor was both very useful as a father figure, but also kind of useless and that's why it's so interesting that we focus so much on the concept of you know mentor and mentorship you know well and yet in in the the book the odyssey it's not so much telemachus doesn't figure out that he needs to jump up and get ready and fight until his own father shows up right i mean it's literally his own relation that his his father himself that shows up before he figures it out so i think i think sometimes we put too much emphasis and focus on this idea of the mentor right and sometimes we overestimate even the ability of a mentor to properly
0: teach. Because what are the qualifications to be a Masonic mentor? None. Still looking. Uh, Gray hair.
1: (laughs) 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 But funnily enough, Nick's example is really interesting because it wasn't mentor who provided that guidance. It was a woman it was the greek goddess athena who actually provided the wisdom and the guidance um don't test joe on his greek knowledge
0: yeah don't 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 try
1: Yeah. yeah Absolutely,
2: Athena was there, and she would come in and uh, and create the figure of mentor and actually do the actual teaching. Because mentor was mm-hmm. kind of useless. I mean, you know, all the suitors were wandering around the house in Ithaca, you know, and he's just like, oh, how, what am
1: I supposed to do?" I mean, they're all here,
2: you know, and that's yeah. and that's just yeah, exactly.
1: And that and that's who we name the people that are to teach us, mentor. <laughs> nice mentor
2: <laughs> yeah and and you know that's the other thing is you know in the book at the very end of it they they focus on the the group you know what what you can do in a group to really improve that um the the not just the cohesion because you know that's always one focus but like the ability to make better decisions and think Better, right? Good. And it's not about, yep. yeah. And it's not about intellectual. Like, it doesn't no. matter if you're the, you, yeah, yeah. That it's meaningless to have full IQ. And you know, this is going to be sacrilegious, but they actually found that uh, that groups that were more evenly spread between men and women, as a single group, actually performed better on those tasks than ones that were all men or all women. Which was, I found very interesting. Um, you know, and that's that's the other. That's the other thing is that they found that a lot of this what we we call soft skills, which I think he appropriately kind of attacks as it's interesting that we make them sound almost weak, ineffective. Right. But these skills of, you know, communication of finding, you know, agreement amongst the group without those you can have you can have Einstein with his messy desk or whomever. It doesn't matter. You can have them all together. It won't matter to make a good decision, as much as if you have the cohesiveness whereby everyone can make a decision together.
0: So, I think that brings up an interesting point uh, that I wanted to highlight. So, a couple of years ago, I found this quote that really kind of broke my head, in a good way, right? And so, I want to kind of pass this on to you. But to, to preface it, Um, If you're listening to this, I want you to think about a belief that you hold very, very strongly, whether it be political, whether it be uh, religious, um, medicine, whatever it is, right? What is this one, just one idea that you're like, boy, this, everyone else is wrong. And I know I'm right on this one. Okay. So uh, think about it. You got it. Okay. So now the next step is, is this question that broke my head that says, okay, what piece of information, what piece of new information could be provided to you that would make you change your mind that could let you make you let go of that belief? What is that one piece of evidence or one piece of data or one something that would actually give you new evidence that would that would change your mind? So the first step is if your answer is, well, nothing, move on, right? That means you're not a logical, rational human being. You're it's all emotional. It's 100% emotional. Um, which is possible. right? We're all human beings. We're, we we have we have that that uh, fallibility as part of our being. But if you can say, okay, well, if you know, if I had a piece of evidence that proved I'm making this up on the spot, if I if I you know being a Christian, if I knew that that God completely didn't exist, there was some piece of evidence that could change my mind and say that God didn't exist, then would I change my mind? Then, you know, then I have to say, well, how would I react to that? And how would I make a, better, a different decision based off of that data, right? Or what would I do in that case? And that's hard. That's hard for people to do because of everything we talked about in the beginning of this episode of, co- we, we look for things that confirm our biases. We look for things that confirm our viewpoint of the world. We go to Facebook groups that align with our current thinking, right? We, we hang out with people similar to us, maybe not in shape and size and color, but at least of intellectual groupthink. So the goal here is to think about if presented with clear contradicting evidence of whatever that belief is, could you change your mind? And like, what would, how would you be able to handle that emotionally, rationally, socially, emotionally? And that then leads to a whole bunch of other questions about, well, how do we break out of this intelligence trap? Because if we know this is the way human beings are, we we've heard certain, you know Sir sort of Arthur Conan Doyle get sucked into this. He doubled down, but let's talk about this because I think one way to get over that hump, one way to fix the fact that we are in this intelligence trap, is to actually, as Nick was about to to lead us into, really talk about making data-driven decisions. And I'm you know that's whether you call it you know just just trying something new and getting new data, getting new information. Um, You letting go of tradition for the sake of of new and better ideas, whatever that is, we've really got to be able to be wrong. That's the first step Uh, in in organizational dynamics. It's called intellectual humility. So it's a good term to go Google intellectual humility, realizing that I as the leader, I as the worshipful master of this lodge could be wrong. Holy smokes! Like, how dare you say that? We give you the hat. We give you the gavel. No, 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 no. Have the intellectual humility to to realize you might not have all the answers. You could be wrong. Or here's here's something that's really awesome to say as a leader. I, I don't. don't know. Joe knew the answer. Yeah.
2: Or, or say well I, I all I know is that I know nothing, right?
1: You you've reached enlightenment level 100. So crazy! We'll we'll be proud. (laughs) We'll see you at episode 500. You are done for the decade, my friend. No, it's really no. That's that's spot on. And I mean, I I that's the first thing I always say. Um, you know, no matter whether I was a, a leader or a follower, no matter what position, I do not know. But I will try my damnedest to get you the answer. Um, you know, and that's that. That's the journey. Um, but I think that. You know you you touch on something really interesting because i think for a lot of these things um and and dobson does give a couple of examples of it but for a lot of these things it's not driven around data right um at all it's all driven around emotion right so that's where you know, to next point that's where that bias starts um i mean let's look at einstein's i'm not going to give it away because just get the book and read it we'll get our audible credits and our royalties will be good <laughs> but um but you know really quick from a high level einstein super genius right the genius of the 20th century right the man knew everything he intuited from his intuition he came up with the special and general theories of relativity right just from thinking this stuff up i mean who does that but you know his big claim to fame in this book is that he what was it 20 or 30 years um it was definitely more than two decades that he spent trying to disprove quantum mechanics because why because he thought it was messy and he did not like it and that was it that was the only reason because it felt wrong because it felt wrong so the man spent a quarter more than a quarter of his life trying to disprove something because he did not like it think about that think about for a second
0: though because there are some things in masonry that we don't like because they feel wrong not because they are wrong but because they feel wrong whether a grand lodge or a grand line or a grand master might say or do some things (laughs) Because they can't do that. That's that doesn't feel right.
2: We have to donate to the charity. I mean, we have, we have to. to.
1: <laughs>
2: Rara or to whatever take it's out. called. Rara needs the, the needs the, our yearly check because f- we have to. The
0: full page ad is not going to print itself. Full page ad, baby.
2: Exactly. I mean, and you know, you're absolutely right. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that, you know, and and he describes it in a kind of a roundabout way where it's, you know, an openness to experience, right? Where you have to be open, right? You have to like, just like you're saying, John, you know, you have to be open to it. It's not just and it it, it is data driven, but it's also you have to be open to accepting those results once you find
0: it out. Oh, right. right? You have to actually accept it, (laughs) right? Yeah,
2: you can't just you can't just go into the emotional uh, badger you know badger cave and just you know back yourself in and say well just because I heard it doesn't mean I care right and, <laughs> you know and you know and that's just it I mean and the thing is I mean we know we know these guys and I and, and I get it too I think you know emotionally just like we've talked about these guys have I mean they've kept the lights on during a time when you know we quite literally saw the Decline of this fraternity to literally its nadir point, right? I mean, literally, we are at the point in which we have the lowest population since we recorded yeah. that, right? right? I mean, even mm-hmm. the anti Masonic period had it better, right? <laughs> Ooh, that hurts. Know? I mean, that's, and that's, you know, right. I mean, even the anti Masonic period, we still had more Freemasons than we kind of do now, right? And you know and that's and that's because and so we have these guys who are making emotional decisions they're not making decisions and you know but i i i do think and you know we've been we've been kind of harping on them right saying what what aren't you doing right right and i do think though that there are grand lodges that we're seeing now and grand bodies i'm even on a, a membership committee now that we're actually saying perhaps instead of saying we're going to do this thing and it'll magically work perhaps we ask the membership what they want, oh, right? And, what you know, I mean, and that's the that thing is, is like you know maybe we should ask the the Sir Knights. If sorry, Nick, your March connection's March
0: breaking on. up. That that's something's wrong.
1: Something's wrong. <laughs> oh, too much. I, I, I'm, too much common sense there.
2: Oh, oh God, the Grand Encampment's gonna find me. I mean, but uh, you know that's the thing, right? It's like
1: nobody expects I'm being, the Grand Encampment uh, I'm being targeted. No, the grand encampment (laughs) is going to be quiet for the next couple of years. So yeah, exactly. Well, it's going to be nice
0: and quiet. Keep it on the DL.
2: But uh, (laughs) and you know that's the thing though is right is like Sir Knights. I mean, I would love for somebody to ask me, "Do you like doing the Marchy March?" Because you know what I'm going to tell you. No. (laughs) <laughs> especially because and and here's here's a fun little fact for all you future sir knights because honestly the degrees are fantastic i'm never going to say no to that right however when you are trapped in an inspection where you have did you know that there are several uniformed service uh, organ uh, service services in the united states uh and they all march differently how do i know because I've heard them all yell at each other <laughs> about how they are doing it wrong.
0: <laughs> I can only and imagine the sidelines. Oh, let me commissary. tell you,
2: it's I love watching the Marines yelling at the army that then the army is yelling at the Marines and then the Navy is looking at them and the Air Force are just crossing their arms. I mean it's it's every single inspection. It's terrible and glorious because it also is very old guys doing that right where they all also have very thick soled shoes because of you know sciatica and uh so that's you know
1: tuxedos and sneakers oh, that's it. my fave.
2: it's so true and so you know and that's the thing is i would love to have a body ask me those things because and i do i think you know the the grand lodge of minnesota finally you know we 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 hit that we hit that point of terror right where we went under ten thousand. right, I mean that's that's the point in which terror sets in right, and they actually started listening right. Now I I wish that we hadn't had to get to a point where of you know terror is the is the motivator right again emotional response right.
0: I mean that's going to be most of the organizations I think you know are. Can just look at the numbers every year; they're, they're still declining, and there will be a an inflection point where we have to change, not because we want to change. Is it somewhere around twenty forty? You know,
1: twenty forty hashtag twenty forty
0: hashtag twenty forty. There you go. Yeah.
2: And you know, you're right, though. I mean, and and they're gonna have to hit. Like, it, and sadly, it seems that because they do think within an emotional framework, right, that it's the emotional response is the only way we're going to get something to occur. I mean, that's the sad part. But at the same time, I think there is a break. I think people are breaking finally and saying, you know, maybe we need to start grabbing data. Maybe we need to start thinking a little bit more broadly, like perhaps allowing lodges to meet in homes, or allowing them to meet in private
0: yeah. rooms. Yeah, I think that's a good yeah. point. Is like, and, and I've said this before on the show. Is like, I'm a big fan of like we have to experiment with, you know, because there's no like people say, John, you've done a lot of research into the membership statistics. What is it? What's the magic solution? I'm like, there is no magic solution because, as as Nick Johnson says, Masonry's provincial, right? So. The only way to fix that is you have to experiment with what works in your local area, what works in, because what works for Nick's lodge is going to be different than Joe's lodge and different than my lodge. And so the ability in, and quickness in which we can experiment, not innovate, but experiment with, you know, incremental changes to. The structure the formation the formality of freemasonry that's what's going to save it because there is no one magic bullet that's going to so- solve the whole thing
2: absolutely that's well and innovation. you know the thing is yeah exactly <laughs> well and, you the know fifth. the thing is though it's so funny is that our rules you know i i've actually taken a look at our rules at least in Minnesota, from the 1850s, right? So 1856, 1857, you could literally fit those on two index cards. It's very short, and I think wow. that's the other thing too is that it's detritus that uh, that just accumulates over and over and over. exactly. And let me tell you, I bet you have your Joby's uh, uh, manual there of of which there's like three binders, it's right? It's like chapter one. <laughs> well, my
1: my yeah, my daughter's a rainbow girl, and they're they're just as yeah. prolific. So, yeah, yes, yeah. lots to read, it, it, that's lots what's,
2: to read. That's what scared me off from uh, helping out with Joby's because, you know, the, the rules themselves were so thick that it was like, you know what? I don't know if I have time to read all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, yep. that's the thing, though, is that we have to experiment. And really, when you think about it, when we started our rules were extremely yeah their guidelines their boundaries yeah.
0: not not thou shalt nots or thou shalt do's yeah. they were okay just don't don't go outside these bounds everything inside go nuts and that's the way it should be that's how you promote yeah. change and innovation and creativity and passion flexibility you're right exactly yeah. not yeah. uh if you just want to you know, turn the crank and just crank out the same Masons and have no independent thoughts or or independent ideas. Ugh, then that's a different fraternity. That's a different yeah. timeline that I don't want to be on.
2: See, organizations that are growing don't have time to know what the rules are, and organizations that are dying only care about the rules. I mean, that's that's kind mm. of the thing, you
0: know. And it's kind and, of like and, the MCU multiverse, right? Yeah. Where yeah, uh, you know, Nick. I I've, I've been converted since you've been on on the show. All I'm all into the MCU now so um Oh boy. So now I get all really? your jokes. Yeah.
2: Even even uh Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Boy. Even boy, that. Even, that
0: one. Yeah. I haven't watched the She-Hulk yet, but you know, that'll oh, be later boy. tonight. That one's fantastic.
2: Although I've been watching way too much like just
0: uh, Shockingly a lawyer like sho- She-Hulk. Oh. Okay.
2: Well, <laughs> see, that's what I love that one. And then I found out that originally they were going to turn that particular show into a a complete trial from beginning to end kind of show, like the staircase. Ooh, but they changed it, it to this one, which I think is better. I okay. think it's better because the staircase. I, this is TV talk on, uh, <laughs> on uh, the dial, but <laughs> anyway, staircase, fantastic show, haunting, but. Uh, there you go that's the that's the tldr so just nice. just fast forward but uh no i think yeah it's, it's one of those that we we do focus so much on these <sighs> and it's past knowledge right i mean we we assume that those before us have accumulated that knowledge and made it and, and and knew the mistakes right but oftentimes you know and especially something that i think an exercise that everybody who is a mason here should do is to actually watch your code, right, or your constitution or your almond raisin, right, and just look at the changes that have occurred in that document from its very founding to now. And you will notice a pattern whereby the rules become stayed and they become extremely repugnant to change they are they find change to be the most repugnant idea on the planet and it's fascinating because you can literally see the very beginnings going we were founded by noah and ta-da right of to course now Egypt. it's like yeah yeah exactly now it's and you cannot give to charity except on the third monday and you must file <laughs> in your check on the third tuesday and it's like but that was stuff. I don't even know what this is related
0: right, to. Right? Exactly. I
2: mean, it was an old accountant thing from their original firm 35 years ago that they got rid of 25 years ago, but it still remains in the books. So we all turn in our checks on the third Monday of the third, seventh, whatever.
1: It <laughs> and, and and none of them have online access to their banks. That's no, the best no, part.
0: no, no PayPal allowed. Hey, so no Nick, we're at that time. Uh, anything else you want to say about the book or, or the thoughts that you had that we didn't get the chance to cover? Because now we're at that, no, that special uh, time of know, the show.
2: I, yeah, the only thing I can think of is that actually we, you know, I, I am pretty confident, you know, and I, you know, I, I like to end these things where, you know, I'm, I'm having discussions with people and say that I actually do feel like a change is occurring right i do have some confidence in that because yeah. i'm seeing it even right now you know the, the the membership is finally being listened to um i i'm seeing leaders that are less obsessed with like what the past has taught them and more looking to those in the group um it's less of an older generation telling newer generation and more of a we all have something important to provide and to present to the group to make it better. And so I do have some confidence in that. Um, I think I think we are going to be needing to be much more focused and ready to push that as much as we can. Because if we don't, it will just um, it, you know we want we we have them on the ropes i guess is a nice and nasty way of putting it but you know we have the ability to change this now because the the emotional response is is, is very present so that and also i'd say read the book especially that the final i'd say the final fifth of the book because it focuses a lot on the group idea and how to avoid groupthink while also uh, making the uh, the the concept of group you know where where the knowledge of the group is enhanced and the group think is is um, made lighter. I think that's that's one other thing I would say is absolutely read that that book.
0: Sweet, awesome. Well, hey Nick, uh, this has been super cool. It's been awesome yeah, to have you back on the show. Um, it's. Oh, uh, did
2: you want you want a question?
0: Masonic yes. Monday question on Thursday. I have one if you'd on like. On Thursday. Go ahead. All right. so uh, Throw up the chat, the question, guys.
2: All right. You guys ready? All right. The Scottish Rite of, the, of Freemasonry is one of the most famous 33rd degree systems in the world. Even profanes know of the 33rd degree. However, it isn't the only one. This Masonic body, founded in England sometime in the 1770s, consisted of 33 nominal degrees. It was first constituted in the United States in the state of Rhode Island, and it fell into disuse and disappeared for more than a century until it was legitimized by the Grand Council of Allied Masonic Degrees in England and Wales. Currently, in its uh, its current form, only one degree is conferred. Name that Masonic body. And as a bonus, uh, list all 33... Uh, titles of the 33 degrees within that degree system, nominally.
0: And if you get one wrong, you get you get no partial credit. Nothing. <laughs> you nothing. get nothing.
2: Hey, I'm the cool teacher. I'm just the substitute. So, hey, whatever you want to answer, guys. Yeah. You know. Whatever your heart all, feels. I love all of you. You're the best, and I'll never see you again. Have some candy. <laughs>
0: awesome. All right. Um, Thanks, brother Nick. Appreciate it. You guys. uh, It's it's super cool to see you again. So brother Joe, anything else you want to add to the final thoughts for this episode?
1: No, I think this is awesome. Um, I think this is the first time that Nick and I were on a show together, right? So (gasps) um, yeah, man. It is like the multiverse. Yes. Different, different earths colliding. Absolutely. Right on. Um, Yeah, man. Awesome show. Uh, I love the conversation. Um, My big takeaway from the book and and from this conversation is if you ever find yourself being closed-minded, stop what it is you're doing and don't do that anymore. Basically open-mindedness is the key to not falling into any of these traps, right? And I I think that our our gentle craft suffers a lot from closed-mindedness. So don't be like that and do the opposite. Peace and love. Peace and love. Awesome love it
0: yep so there's the book again the intelligence trap why smart people make dumb mistakes by david robson all right so let's see the only thing i wanted to add to that is um very much what joe was saying the first step of a 12-step program is admitting that you have a problem right you have to have that intellectual humility go google that Google that term, uh, there's a lot of literature written up on intellectual humility, which um, it's how you avoid it, it's how you get out of the intelligence trap, we talked a lot about these biases that we all have, because we're human beings. But at some point, you have to go above that rise above that and say, I might not know everything, and I'm willing to be open to more data. And so that's the only way we can uh, grow as as individual brothers grow as a fraternity grow as a group. And it's dependent on you and all of your, your brothers to, um, you know, to really get out of our comfort zones, try new things, and um, really just take this fraternity to the next generation. So, um, this has been a great conversation, great book, and um, great having Brother Nick back us. So, thank you very much for watching, and keep searching for more light. Have a good night. Wow.